It is the final hour of the Fan Morning Show. Sportsnet 590, The Fan, Justin and Brent this morning. Our last show for a little while. We'll both be back tomorrow in our own different ways. That's right. Be crossing paths once again. Yeah, we uh, need, a, need a little, just a little time away, I think. You know, switch it up, play with somebody new. I got Stelic, you got Marchese, and then Alish is back with you on Monday. And again, I'm going to hammer it home. I have a tea time on Monday, so no fake sick days for you two. Yeah, I mean, you won't get one out of me. Uh, can't promise the I know. same for Alish, though. I know. She was laying the groundwork thick yesterday. Uh, yeah, Nashville might be, you still might be feeling the effects of Nashville if you're Alish. You still might be feeling the effects of Nashville. If you're our next guest, Steve Cooley is host of Power Play on Sirius XM NHL Network Radio. Uh, Steve, how was Nashville and how are you? Guys, thanks for having me, Justin and Brent. And uh, Kevin Lowe taught me that if you want to uh, soar with the eagles, you better learn how to run with the squirrels. So <laughs> I was able to do a bit of both. That was in Detroit at the lockout kind of draft because we didn't play. Um, and let's just say uh, about 4 in the morning we went to bed. He was up at 7. I woke up at one thirty, and he sent the cameraman and said, tell Cooley. And that's when he said this phrase, and I thought, and he looked quaff. The hair was good, the suit. So that's where I learned that phrase, guys and gals. If you wanna, if you wanna hang with the big boys, you better, you better know what you're doing. So yes, it was great. And uh, Leafs play Nashville on the 28th. So if you want to do a bus trip or fly down there, uh, Leafs are in Nashville October 28th. Phrases like that just hit a little different on a, on a tough morning or a difficult morning after a long night. Uh, so that one, understandably sticking with you because, frankly, it's a good one. Uh, it was not a great draft, at least in terms of entertainment and intrigue, however. Uh, was that a draft dud? Was it more entertaining than it was given credit for? Are the storylines still aplenty? How are you reflecting after what was uh, maybe a draft that didn't live up to everybody's expectations? I think when you're in an event and doing an event and hosting an event, it's always bigger. So if you're doing, uh, you know, eight-year-old lacrosse, you think it's great because you're, you're doing the event. But the realism is the speed of the draft was great, but we did not get the wow factor. There was not the Alex Debrinkit trade, the William Nylander trade, all that kind of stuff. At, at two, we were surprised. Carlson Fantilli, that's probably not going to hold the average North American fan, you know, for three and a half hours. So I think in that respect, if there is not going to be any movement, then move through the draft. So I think speed was good, uh, obviously, because we were there and it's an hour time difference. That part was good when it was uh, eventually over. But for, but for the most part, we always ask for draft day trades or trades on the floor. They really don't happen. I mean, this isn't Matt Sundin and Wendell 1994, guys. So we're, I think we should just get to, used to the fact that these things don't happen, and it's more about cookie cutter and paperwork and building for the future, blah, blah, blah. So we can talk about the future and what we might think happens tomorrow. But other than that, you're right. It was probably a, what, a C-plus. Let's give it a C-plus. Yeah, if you're, a, if you're a draft, Nick, you know, there were some surprises. Like you mentioned, Carlson jumping up there or uh, Simashev going at six to the Coyotes. You know, there were there were some surprises in there. Then obviously later on in the round, uh, some players who slipped, some players who went ahead of where they, they might have been expected. But yeah, not uh, not overly sexy. Uh, you, you mentioned to bring Cat and Nylander there. Uh, well, maybe William Nylander, depending on the return of a little less enthused one way or another. Uh, but I'll put my hand up. I would like to see one of those two guys dealt. That would be a, a sexy piece of news. 
Do you think now that we're through the draft and it did just seem like a lot of it as well, where teams kind of scared to trade away picks in this draft because of how deep it's considered. Do you think that now we're, we're past that uh, we will see any more movement on, on either of those guys, uh, possibly new deal or new team. I think that, uh, well, in the case of Debrinkit, he doesn't want to be there and they don't want him and they can use their money on somebody else. So that's got to happen today. I think I, I really do. And we're, we're looking at buyouts and what happens with the Blake Wheeler, at least Pierre-Luc Dubois was moved. Tyler Toffoli was moved. And I'm, you know, when you look at certain teams and what's happening, I mean, I'm, I'm assuming Connor Timmons isn't going to be a regular defenseman. So what are the Leafs going to do I on the blue not. line? You know, you know what's, uh, you know, God love him. What's happening with Scott Mayfield? What's happening with Luke Shen? What's the price going to be eventually for Ilya Samsonov? When we talk about goaltending, uh, Matt Murray, uh, nobody's going to take him. Would you want to sell him at half price and still be stuck with two point three million, or buy him out? And, take the cap hit next year and the savings this year. You know, who's up front, Matthew Nyes and Nick Robertson? Are they your two left wingers? Kerfoot's not coming back. So there's a sexiness of what the lease will look like and the buzz at the draft that I'm sure you guys have talked about, that it looks like it's going to be a five-year deal for Austin Matthews. Mm -hmm. Maybe three, but then five, nothing longer. And the lease would be fools to make it a four-year deal. Three's more sexy because McDavid... And Eichel are up after three years, so then you get into an unbelievable free agent period in three years. So I don't know where you guys are on the number in five years, but that's kind of the, the, the leaf buzz. And I just feel with Nylander, it's been too quiet. He wants $10 million. I wouldn't give him $10 million when Timo Meyer got 8.8. That's me. I don't know where you guys are, Justin and Brent, on that. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's a lot to, to take in there between three and five. Austin Matthews kind of can do whatever he wants at this point. And yeah, it comes down to what William Nylander prefers. Does he want to be a Maple Leaf? It might have to be less than eight uh, figures. Uh, it probably will have to be less than eight figures. But yeah, I'm not convinced that, you know, the preference is not to be with the Toronto Maple Leafs and that there could be a couple concessions made. Uh, but it's posturing season and they have a lot of runway to negotiate this deal. From my From my standpoint, though, I worry about how distracting negotiating these deals actually is for Brad for living because as much as he's said, yeah, I want to, you know, I'm trying to do this. I'm trying to have conversations, trying to trade down in the fifth round to get a couple more prospects and not being able to do that. I just feel like it's too much to ask almost to negotiate these two deals and actually be doing everything else that you need to be doing. Like it's, it is serious, heavy lifting for someone who's just getting their feet wet with this organization. Do you think that these two deals that have to be negotiated right now, kind of get in the way of doing the other things that need to be done to, to ice a competitive roster around two players that will be here unless they're traded because they're contractually obligated to be here next season. I think there's been enough time since the hiring that I think we're close to some type of resolution on the finish line. Even if the resolution is we're not going to do anything other than just play your option out, which I, I can't believe. Um, but I mean, the clock is ticking, right? I mean, it's uh, 8.08 on the 30th of June here. The buyout window closes at 5 o'clock. Free agency opens tomorrow at noon. So I'd like to think that this plan of execution with these two guys is very close, at least something agreed to in principle with Austin and maybe announced as a big splash tomorrow. And then maybe with Nylander, they're going to play him out and rent their own guy. And unless the season goes terribly poorly, deal them at the deadline or, or, or use $6.962 million in cap space next year. Because remember, 
it happened with PK Subban, I think, first time five years ago. If you got a guy making nine million and you just give him away and the return's a seventh round pick, you bought yourself the nine million. Like that's that's big money. Riley Smith was the trade for what ended up being, you know, bringing back Barbershev. That's just the way it works in the NHL. So I guess I would be okay with that. I, I just expected a bigger splash or changing of the look up front. Matthews is staying, Tavares is staying, we think Marner's staying, and then something else, Nylander turns into what? Does he turn into a defenseman? Does he turn into Tyler Bertuzzi? He's not turning into Tom Wilson. So it's almost like what was going to change up front, and as of now, it's nothing. And we're at the witching hour, and you're right. Maybe it's just running these four back moving forward. Yeah. Uh, and we're going to find out soon. Yeah, the thing about Matthews is that, especially all the reporting kind of leading up to it, it's regardless of what the term is. I think the fact that if it just gets signed early on in the summer, a lot of people are going to look that as a win because there was some possibility. I mean, there still definitely is of it bleeding into training camp, possibly bleeding into the season. And that is just a loud, loud conversation that you don't want around around the team. Uh, you know, I want to talk to you about one of those teams who were uh, grabbing up spare parts. Uh, you see what the Chicago was able to do snapping up Taylor Hall. You see they grab Corey Perry and Nick Foligno as well. To me, that just looks like kind of perfect insulation for Connor Bedard. I mean, you don't want to warp speed this thing. You want to take your time. You probably want to get another high pick next year, but you also don't want to feed Connor Bedard to the Wolves. And I think having guys like Taylor Hall obviously able to help a little more now, but just Foligno and Perry, I mean, especially Perry, a Hart Trophy winner, a guy who's knowing kind of what he's he's going through. I, I like the work that Chicago Chicago's doing that or did this past couple of days. Yeah, I do too. I'm, I'm surprised. I'm sure Taylor was, but he realizes two years left. He, he did not like being a third line left winger in Boston. He just played the role and we know what they did in the regular season. It didn't work in the playoffs. So obviously he'll be higher up the lineup, probably the left winger for Connor Bedard. And now the numbers of what 30, 40, 70 in his rookie year for Connor Bedard, I think would have to go up a little bit if he ends up playing 82 games and Taylor Hall's numbers will go back to where they kind of should be, maybe not New Jersey-like, but I think those other moves, when Perry moved yesterday, I thought, well, he's not going to sign there. Well, he did for $4 million. Polino as well, Chicago's spending. Like, they've got the credit card. Uh, they're, they're the kids on Rodeo Drive right now. So uh, we'll, we'll meet you for lunch, kids. Go have some fun. And they're out there spending with the cap space. They're not going to spend themselves into a playoff spot, but they're spending themselves to – a wow factor. I don't know what else they're going to do. And remember, they could be a destination for a guy. Uh, remember when Adam Lowry left Winnipeg to the Rangers? He only had made like $10, $11 million. So in free agency, he went back to Michigan with the Red Wings to get paid. And, and Scott Mayfield only made $9 million. So he's going to get paid. He's 30 years of age. And if getting paid means you can't have your cake and eat it too, like got to go somewhere else to the next tier of teams. If Toronto would be like a tier two, and then Chicago a tier three, then they might end up going there to get paid and say, hey, work with us, believe us, with Connor, we'll be good in two and a half years. I don't know if we believe that or not, but keep in mind those teams. Remember, the good teams don't have any space. The next tier teams do, but do you want to go there as a free agent? And then a team like Chicago might be in play because that's where Perry got paid. That's where obviously Foligno got paid, and that's where one of the other UFA guys could get paid. If there's no spot on a contending team, uh, Steve Coolius on the line. Steve, what do you what do you think of Colorado's mini makeover here? Getting Ryan Johansson in, getting Ross Colton from the Tampa Bay Lightning, giving up Alex Newhook, but really not 
paying all that money or getting a nice little return in order to move on from new hook uh, to help them, uh, you know, supplement this roster here. It's a season that will be played without Landis cog. Do you think they're doing a good job sort of uh, dealing with that loss, but also spinning it forward here after a bit of a talent loss after winning their Stanley cup uh, last year? I do. I do. And I would have made both moves. I can't believe that they, they allowed or made the deal uh, half price for Ryan Johansson. I, I would have thought that the Preds would have kept five. The fact that the, uh, or I, I would have thought the Preds would have wanted to keep three and then five goes to Colorado. The fact that it's 4 4, if he turns into a, his 26 goal, 63 point second line center, um, and he's had 63 points, I think, a couple times in his career, which is ironic. That was what Nate McKinnon had in his rookie year as a, as a true 18 year old. They go McKinnon, Ryan Johansson. Now, maybe if they want Ross Colton down the middle. God love Alex Newhook, but that was an overpay by Montreal. Big Colton time. just went for a second-round pick, and that was a pick that they flipped in the, tra- in, the, in the trade with Tampa Bay. So that was kind of weird to me. I think it was too much, and I think Alex Newhook is, is good. I'd rather have Ross Colton on my team. I think the Avs now are kind of a winger short because, as you mentioned, they don't have 92. So McKinnon, Ryan Johansson, Colton down the middle. They got Natushkin back, which is great. Health situation taken care of. Arturi Lekkinen, Miko Rantanen. I think they just need a winger because, guys, they got the best defense in the NHL next to Vegas. McCarr, Cave, Samuel Gerard, Bo Byram, Josh Manson. If they bring back the other Johnson, maybe, because um, one of the Johnsons is gone, Eric. But that's a really good team, man. That's a really good team, and I like what they've done so far down the middle. I would have done the same thing. Yeah, the two pickups they made in the deadline leading up to that cup in Manson and Lekkonen, they've been they've just become kind of really nice cogs there. And again, they're never going to be the sexy piece given what's ahead of them on the depth chart. McKinnon up front, McCarr on the back end, but really, really uh, important cogs. I just want to look at this free agency class uh, a little bit with you. We know it doesn't have the kind of high-end guy in their late 20s that we talked about could potentially be coming three years down the pike if that's what happens with Matthews and Eichel and and McDavid there, but there are a lot of quality players available, kind of depending on whatever you're looking for. You know, Alex Kalorn, he's obviously a little longer in the tooth. He was so instrumental for the Bolts throughout all of that run. Patrick Kane, I mean, we saw what he looked like at the tail end with the Rangers, and we know he's dinged up, but I think that that's going to be a guy who's going to have some intrigue as well. The JT Comfort types, Tarasenko, do you think we're maybe understating this free agent class just a little bit because it doesn't have the kind of star power at the top end of it yeah it's not ferrari right it's a ford f-150 which is fine (laughs) i'm okay with that i'm okay with that that we see that car all over the road so um i'm intrigued about bertuzzi is orlov really going to get the best value it might end up being severson the projections for barbershev were supposed to be four times four and change well he got five times five you know i more look at it from you know it, Ron and Aaron Toronto, so like a, a leap perspective, what do they do? It's, is Radko Gudis on their chart? Scott Mape, what will he get? Is Ryan O'Reilly really coming back um, to be a third-line center? And the Leafs will be set down the middle. But at what price? You know, we have the Jake Muzzin LTIR to open up $5 million. I'm not a JT Comfer guy. I would stay away from that. Uh, Bunting's probably gone. I thought he was going to Pittsburgh. What money is he going to get? Kalorn at 33, turning 34. I'm not so sure. I know Tarasenko wants to go back to the Rangers. They don't have any space. So it's, it's you know, we got some diggers, uh, dig, uh, people who dig ditches in here. Um, at this, the Connor Brown, like I'm interested in both, Matt Dumba, where do they go? Where do they play? And if we just saw those guys that can help you win a cup, 
by doing the extra special things and paying the price and blocking shots and killing penalties. Where are these guys going to go to help those really good teams like Edmonton, like Toronto teams that haven't won recently in Edmonton's case to be able to turn something tomorrow into silver or gold next year. That's the storyline for me, guys. Yeah, last one for you here, Steve. I wanted to ask you about Edmonton. Uh, They shed Yamamoto and Clem Costin yesterday, trading them to uh, the Detroit Red Wings for nothing. Uh, And it might be a necessary move because you got to sign Evan Bouchard and you you might have some other, uh, some, some, some capital to make some other moves, but things are pretty tight there in Edmonton and will be tight after they get that Bouchard deal done. But do you think they have something planned to supplement what is a roster that might be next to Vegas? I mean, if there was, not that we're hanging out second place awards, but they gave Vegas their best punch uh, in that second round. Do you think Edmonton has something big in store tomorrow? They are trying. So since I was there, the biggest Carlson buzz with our insiders was about Edmonton. And then you bring out the calculator, you start crunching the numbers, the old adding machine, the paper goes round and round, and you're thinking, I don't know how you can do this. This is like the Michigan Michigan bottle scam was on Seinfeld. It just doesn't work, you know. How? What third team is going to take some of Carlson's money? I know the Oilers want something else that it is Barbashev type up front, which isn't going to be him, and improvement on the blue line, which I just don't see unless Carlson is retained at, at eight from San Jose and then goes through another team at four. I, I just the numbers just don't add up. But yes, that's what the Oilers would like to do. They, they look at this year, Kenny Holland with a year left and maybe his last year, as this is the meal, this is the year, this is the opportunity. And they want to make McDavid happy. There's two years left with Drysdale. This is the opportunity um, uh, yeah, for Leon, two years with Drysdale. And then McDavid has three. So they're going at it right now and this season, and they don't want to just do things at the deadline. They want to build a roster so they all play together, grow together, of starting now and starting a training camp. So can the Oilers do it? I'm not sure. The Carlson thing intrigues me. But, guys, the money just does not add up. The cap will not balance itself. It just doesn't add up at 83.5. But let's see what the Oilers do tomorrow. Yeah, I wonder, is there room for Carlson and Bouchard? Could you turn Bouchard into Carlson somehow? It's it's fascinating. I don't know if that's the extent they should be going because Bouchard's, you know, obviously a younger player who put up a lot of points to that power play unit. Uh, but yeah, a lot of eyes are going to be on the Oilers and justifiably so because, as you mentioned, they are right on the cusp. Uh, Steve, we appreciate you joining us this morning. Glad you had a good time in Nashville and uh, enjoy signing season because it should be a fun time in the Oh, dry out. <laughs> Well, could you hear me sipping my coffee uh, during the show? <laughs> I'm sipping away too. I can't, I, could, I would never, never get mad at uh, somebody drinking their coffee. Just saying you had fun in Nashville, that's all. Uh, Steve Coolius, uh, there he goes. Love, love, love uh, getting a chat with Cools there. Fun little conversation. Uh, of course, yeah. That's interesting. I mean, uh, Carlson's always connected to the the, the most intriguing teams uh, for whatever reason. It seems like he, if he's going to be on the move, it's going to be a splashy one, mm-hmm. uh, not necessarily ending up in, you know, I don't know, like the Florida Panthers we've heard as well. I was well. just going to say. But I, the sexier names yes. have been the Maple Leafs and the Oilers because uh, that would just be way more entertaining uh, for us. But yeah, you got to deal with the Bouchard thing, but then how many Bouchard Carlson types do you need when you looked at Vegas have such success with, you know, defensemen that are not really 
of the Carlson or Bouchard uh, mold. Let's switch gears and bring in our next guest here, Jeff Merrick, host of the Jeff Merrick Show, who broke the news yesterday that the PHF would be purchased by the Mark Walter Group and Billie Jean King Enterprises, which is a big, big move in the women's hockey space. Uh, There are a lot of positives, and there are some negatives that have come from that announcement so far. Uh, Jeff, can you just sort of explain where we are at with this news and sort of what's reverberating right now as it develops as we speak? Yeah, sure. Yeah, and and good morning. That's um, I mean, pretty big story yesterday. So, Mark Walter Group and Billie Jean King Enterprises. So, this is the group that's putting together the league that's going to feature athletes from the PWHPA, and now after this news, will also feature athletes from the PHF as well. Yesterday, they completed a purchase or announced a purchase um, internally, not externally. That'll come later on today um, of the Premier Hockey Federation. It's not all the assets that they're buying, but it's the majority of assets, as I understand, that they are buying. And the PHL, uh, PHF League will essentially dissolve. Uh, those players will become free agents. Uh, many will be absorbed into the PWHPA. Um, there'll be some type of draft, and that league will launch sometime next January. So that's the sort of top line to all of this. Essentially, if you, it's a complicated story. If you want to sort of couch it in simpler terms, the group representing the PWHPA, the Professional Women's Hockey Associate, uh, Players Association, that's a group that has all the elite-level American and Canadian players. Um, they've just bought the Premier Hockey Federation, their, their rival league. Yeah, and obviously, uh, that, that, that I think that is the simplest way to explain it to everyone. I, I think the big question I have coming out of that is, and I want to be mm-hmm. clear, they are saying it's not a merger, so I won't, I won't call. It is it's not, not a merger. It is not. not. You are going to have two bodies of players who will now be playing in the same league. Yeah. Are there enough teams to surface or service no. those players? That that I think no. is where I immediately go to on this. Yeah. That's why no, I'm, that's why I'm trying to dance around the word merger because it's not. But you understand where I'm going not. with this. Yeah. So the um, the league that the uh, the PW now the the new league is going to be called the Professional Women's Hockey uh, Association. So that new league is going to have six teams. It's going to be three teams in Canada, three teams in the United States. Um, those cities have still not yet been announced, and all we have is you know, rumors about what those cities are going to be. Um, but no, quite bluntly, there's not going to be room for everybody. Like There are going to be some players who lose their jobs. There will be some players who don't have a place to play um, next year. And some of those players have already signed contracts with the PHF, and those contracts, I should have mentioned off the top, have all been dissolved. Um, so yeah, there's gonna there are going to be uh, there's gonna be more competition for those spots in this new league, and that's gonna cost some players certainly their jobs. It's unfortunate. Um, this is pro sports, um, and that's just the reality. Just to be blunt, that's just the reality of this situation. You know, this is what members of the PWHPA have been holding out, fighting for, staying away from the PHF and the 4-1 of the North American uh, Hockey League for. And this is eventually here now what they're going to get. We are expecting, by the way, some comment, some type of press release today from the uh, the PWHPA and I think the Mark Walter group as well. You know, one, one main power broker um, that you guys should keep in mind through all of this, Stan Kasten. Um, you know, as someone told me yesterday, this is Stan Kasten's show now. Stan, who's, you know, with, uh, with the Dodgers, um, uh, has worked uh, with the Atlanta Thrashers previously in the NHL. And I think we do wonder now that there is going to be one league. Will the NHL get involved in some capacity? The NHL has always talked about not wanting to pick sides or choose one group over the other to, you know, get back to us when you have one group. Well, now there is. 
And I suppose it'll be up to Stan Kasten and, and Mark Walter here to put together any type of relationship, if there's going to be one, between this new league and the National Hockey League. Uh, last one for you, Jeff. Uh, as you're right, it's professional sports. There's going to be lost jobs. There's going to be competition. Uh, but there is some negativity associated with this announcement. So I'll ask you pretty plainly, is this sure. the move that will put women's hockey in the direction that it needs to go to? Yeah, it is. I mean, there's not going to be any more, you know, fighting between two groups. It's going to be one very focused and well-financed uh, group. You know, the numbers that I've heard thrown around for the startup for this thing, where once upon a time it was thought that it was going to be 50 million, you know, the latest numbers that I'm hearing are 250 and 300 million dollars wow. uh, just to start this thing up. So, yeah, I mean, this is Mark Walter Group and Billie Jean King Enterprises, right? So these are these are very deep-pocketed owners, um, and we'll see if there's any type of involvement. Uh, from the NHL as well. So, I mean, I, I think that as much as there is, you know, some, you know, there's some, un- uh, some unfortunate news about women losing their jobs here from the top line perspective about getting women's hockey on the map with their own focus professionally run league at the high level. This is what the PWHPA members have always fought for and this is what they're getting now and it's hard to look at this and not see this as a major major positive step for women's hockey yeah it seemed the first step was always consolidation uh now that they are are, are in the path or on the path to consolidating uh it should be uh good things ahead and we'll keep tracking this story of course Ailish will have her thoughts on it we'll catch up with you uh maybe next week uh we'll continue sure. on with this story uh as it develops I, yeah. though because it is clearly an important one I think we're going to be starting to get well, – we'll get a little bit more information today. I, I think that once um, once we get past July 4th and, and those celebrations stateside, I think we're going to start to see more information about when this thing starts to uh, – and how this thing is going to finally start to take shape. I was told to watch around the 6th or the 7th. So I have a feeling we're talking again and probably soon. All right, Merrick, we look forward to it. Uh, thanks for making uh, a little bit of time for us. Uh, make sure we touch on that subject. Nice scoop. No problem. Thanks, guys. Yeah, have a good day. Scoops, ice cream, scoops. <laughs> there you go. That's Jeff Merrick of the Jeff Merrick Show. Of course, Maddie Marchese, who I'll be on with tomorrow, hosting for Jeff Merrick this week. Looking like Vladdy out there with the scoops. <laughs> Jeff's a baseball guy. Appreciate that. Uh, okay, we need to get a break because we got Michael Grange in a busy 8 a.m. hour to wrap up the show, talk about what's ahead today for the Toronto Raptors. Uh, rumors and gossip. Is it rumors and gossip or is it real thing? It's Freddie Van Fleet going to... The Houston Rockets, or will he stay with the Toronto Raptors? That and more with Grange next. The best Blue Jays show out there, period. Blair and Barker. Be sure to subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Final block of the week, although Gunnar and I will be on the air tomorrow. I'm on say, at 9 to yeah. 12. You're on at 12 to 3. Yeah, of course, gonna... it's signing season uh, with July 1, Canada Day, and uh, lots of NHL news to come tomorrow. So uh, we'll both be on. Yeah, we always try to share the same mental space as the listeners. We're grinding Monday to Friday up early, but it's not Friday. We both got to work tomorrow. Again, you know, we're not in the salt mines. We're in the content mines. Far worse places to be. Thrilled to be on with my pal, Gord Stellick, tomorrow. And as you said, you and Maddie Marchese. And that wonderful mustache of his. I'm surprised. <laughs> I, that's why they didn't put the two of us together. Yeah. There can only be so much stash on one show. Uh, so Marchese gets his slot. I get mine. And Michael Grange gets his coming up here. Last guest of the week joining us now. Michael, how are you doing on the eve of NBA free agency, even though we seem to know where all these guys are going to go? 
<laughs> I'm doing well, guys. I'm doing well. Uh, just looking forward to uh, seeing some uh, seeing some stuff happen today, and, and we'll see where it takes us over the weekend. So let's let's start with the obvious, Fred Van Vliet. Uh, it seems this has been a steady crawl over to Houston. It started as this was another team that could have interest, and now it seems as though this is where he will be plying his trade for the next two years after uh, the deal that it that it looks like he he's intending to sign. Obviously, the question as far as this goes, Raptors wise, is did they misplay their hand? Did they overplay their hand? Going back to the deadline, uh, does this make you feel any differently about it? Then uh, has your opinion kind of changed his things as we see Van Vliet kind of leaning towards the, the Rockets now as opposed to coming back? Well, I would say this. I mean, you're losing an all-star point guard. You're losing, and this presumes it happens, right? But um, you're losing arguably the face of your franchise. You're losing a really good player uh, for no apparent return. And... Um, you know, there's you can make the argument for fiscal prudence, and if the the money that you wanted to pay Fred Van Vliet was, you know, you had, as one person very familiar with all this said, look, there's a kind of a glass ceiling to this that they didn't they didn't want to go above or don't want to go above, and as a result, you end up uh, losing Van Vliet for, for like I said, no apparent return. Um, yeah, that's a miscalculation. Like you can. You can kind of spin it any way you want, and you can explain it, right? Where it may, it you know, doesn't maybe make sense to uh, overpay for a player, <clears throat> regardless of who the player is. Um, it's still uh, an essential part of your team that you would not be getting any return for, um, and you know that's that's just a tough look. Yeah, there's really no getting around that uh, if Fred leaves and there's nothing back in return, which there won't be if he goes to Houston for that huge contract over two seasons. It's not going to look favorably uh, on this group. Uh, I want to go back to draft night because uh, Bobby Webster had something at the end of his press conference. He's like, ah, we'll see about the rumors and gossip. Uh, and that made it seem like, hey, I know something you don't know. Uh, and that like gave you some confidence or at least looked like he was confident in that. Yeah, they have an idea that and we're just sort of, you know, trailing all this Twitter fodder at this moment. But it's been a week since then. It's been over a week since then. Uh, has something turned internally? Is there a different vibe coming out of the organization right now? Do we know what the vibe is in the organization right now? Because as you mentioned, he hasn't gone to Houston yet. So where where are the Raptors at in terms of their how they're functioning right now and what sort of message they're giving off as it relates to everything that's going on with Fred and beyond? I think they've always uh, been very confident uh, about being able to keep Fred. I think they've wanted to keep Fred. Um, but I think that they've always had an, like an internal budget for it and, um, and, you know, presumably a plan B. I think what's changed is that the James Harden situation just kind of, um, you know, I think if you were talking to people in the know, so to speak, in kind of April and May, it was seemed pretty evident that James Harden was going to go into Houston's cap space and, and then when you kind of look at the rest of the picture around the league, there really wasn't uh, a realistic landing place for Van Vliet. Um, you know, I know 
a lot of people talked about Orlando, but they would have to make some moves to get to the number. And I don't think, you know, I talked to some people familiar with that situation and, you know, they weren't, you know, they didn't see 30 million as being a number for, for Fred. And so I think, you know, as the Raptors have done in other situations, they kind of let their player, um, and they did this with friendly before, you know, they let their player kind of get out there, see the market. And, you know, and then they say, look, we've got, in this case, I think around three years, 30 million, uh, three years, 90 million. Um, and the player comes back and everyone moves on happily ever after. But I think once, once the Harden situation really kind of got weird, um, and then Houston, you know, they had a lot of money they got to spend. The two-year term is significant because they, you know, they don't really care what they spend between now and 25, 26. Um, it's, it's, it's that 25, 26 year that when all their young players start needing their extensions. And so that's where, you know, things kind of, uh, kind of maybe caught the Raptors a little bit by surprise. I know they were calling around. Uh, the, the league in recent days trying to get some intel on what Houston was doing, so they were getting concerned. And, uh, you know, so I, I, I think that just the situation just took took a left turn, and um, we'll see if, if what happens. We'll see if maybe, you know, because I think the Raptors could go to a fourth year, right, at, at 30 million. All of a sudden it's 120 million guaranteed. And with friend Vasley go, you know what, like an extra 40 million guaranteed, maybe that's a good idea. Um, but it's going to take something like that, I would think. How are, are Van Vliet and, and Pirtle connected? I mean, you know, there's been reports from Pirtle that maybe he doesn't want to be around for a rebuild. Uh, and like like you said, I'm sure the Raptors do have a plan B in all of this. But without Van Vliet, uh, it definitely tips the Raptors, maybe not into a full rebuild mode, but more more in that direction than they'd be with him. Uh, do you think the two are linked in any way in terms of the decision that, that either of them have to make? Um, only to the extent that... that are the Raptors going to be a good team? And, you know, I think that's something that's important for Pirtle. Um, and so I think you're in a situation, and, and frankly, <laughs> if, if Van Vliet's gone, there's a little bit more money available to pay Pirtle, probably certainly more than any other team would be able to pay him or would want to pay him. So it could work out in his favor. And, you know, if the Raptors can kind of convince Pearl and his people that there's a viable second option, then, you know, I would think he would be back here. Um, but, you know, you look at a team like San Antonio and, and, you know, they have a fair bit of cap space. They got to spend it. They do need a sender, a center. Um, you know, I'm not even sure if Pearl sold his house there yet. Um, oh boy. And, and, uh, you know, I shouldn't say that. I don't know that for sure, but I wouldn't be surprised if he hasn't. Um, but then they love Jakob Perk. So, you know, the, and, and sure they're rebuilding, but they're kind of on track to be, to be pretty good pretty soon. And he, you know, he would take a lot of pressure off uh, Weminyama in terms of not having to defend centers and, and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, he has options is really what I'm trying to say. And I think his most lucrative option will probably be in Toronto. But, you know, you just can't – I think it's a little less certain – um, that he's here than I would have said uh, at the trade deadline or any time after the season. And, and look, I haven't heard anything from that side of things that's saying, look, you know, ooh, we don't want to be here. I just think that they want to get make sure that it's a good situation 
And uh, maybe the Raptors have, will have a little tougher time convincing him of that than they would have uh, otherwise. It's harder to spin if Pirtle's the second example of clear mismanagement of assets uh, and he walks uh, for nothing at some point here. But I do see some silver lining in Fred moving on if it's associated with the conscious decision to take a step back, right? Like, I I think we've been talking about, you know, two potential evils and which one would be the lesser. I I think Fred walking for nothing might be the better thing than, you know, locking yourselves into four years at a max and having absolutely no wiggle room for a team that frankly isn't good enough. But I guess that all hinges on what you do next. So if Fred leaves, and I guess Pirtle, whether he stays or goes, doesn't really matter as much, do you think the Raptors are going to take a step back? Or will it just be, hey, let's forge on and let's try to do the best with what we can, even though we lost, as you mentioned, face of the franchise and, you know, the only decent guard really on this team, or at least ball handler. Uh, What do you think the Raptors will do? How do you think they will react? And will anything be done in haste? I guess if Fred leaves. Well, no, nothing will be done in haste. I don't think. Um, I, I think if, if the most likely I still think it's a fairly reasonable scenario that, that everyone comes back. Like, I, like I, I'm not 100% um, buying uh, you know, Fred Lee's. But let's presume that Fred Lee's. And, but I, I would think it's more likely, and there's probably a little more urgency to make sure that Pirtle stays. And to your point, silver lining is, yeah, you're not locked into paying uh, 33-year-old Fred Van Vliet, um you know, $40 million uh, four years from now um, or 40 million plus. And, and so, and I think another silver lining is when you look at how the Raptors have constructed with Van Vliet, with uh, Scotty Barnes, with Jakob, or sorry, with uh, Pascal Siakam, like there's just been a little, um, a little bit of overlap. And so it does kind of force you or create the opportunity to, put the ball in Scotty Barnes' hands more consistently, put the ball in, the, in Pascal Siakam's hands more without kind of uh, cutting into Scotty Barnes' opportunity. And it, it kind of opens up some opportunities for OG Ananobi, who I think would, would relish that. Um, you know, the question because is, is what can you do to make sure that you do have, uh, you, know, a, a, you know, a point card? Like, they're useful to have. <laughs> I think the Raptors were suffered last year because they only had one. Um, but I don't think, and I would be, I think the only, the only way they really go, okay, we're, we're really taking a step back. And in this case, it would be trading Siakam would be if you lose both Pirtle and uh, Van Vliet. And then I think at that point, maybe they, they go, okay, well, this is now OG Ananobi and Scotty Barnes and uh, to extend crazy Dick, I guess. And we're going to, we're, you know, we're going to, look for more, try to get more young talent around them and let them grow together. But um, if it's, you're just losing, if it's only Van Vliet that leaves, I think they try to keep going in some version of the direction they're in now. 
And if they're in a position where it's a tank year next year, the year after Victor Wembanyama, Scoot Henderson, Brandon Miller at the top of the draft, a lot of people are not going to like that. A lot of people include a guy uh, you're talking to named Brent Gunning. Looking at the looking at elsewhere in NBA free agency, uh, I will not lump you in with me in saying, thank God Kyrie Irving is not in play for this team. But uh, is he the most interesting guy in the free agent class? I mean, you look at a guy like Draymond, I expect given the pool move, he he ends up back with the Warriors. Who who else is uh, is interesting to you is is Irving the most interesting free agent well not really because I think it's almost impossible slash inconceivable he doesn't return to Dallas right so I don't think anyone's gonna you know let this posturing of him meeting with the, the sons is you know it's <laughs> leave Kevin Durant foolish. alone please <laughs> well it's also just like mathematically it is impossible it won't happen and so it's kind of like it's you know so I think that's a little bit interesting I think you know, going a little further down the, the you know, the glamour scale, like it's the interesting players in this class of free agents are, um, you know, guys like Max Struess, uh, Gabe Vincent, uh, Dante DiVincenzo. Um, it's, you know, the superstar, the era of the superstar free agent is kind of past. If you have, you know, juice in this league, you sign your extension, get all your money from your team. And then, you know, if you want to move on after that, you, you know, you force a trade and, your team's usually happy to do that because that's the best way they can make sure they get some assets for a player who would otherwise leave for nothing. Um, so it's really um, becomes players that are uh, that full mid-level number or above is is kind of where things get interesting. I think, you know, Brook Lopez is also an interesting player to watch. I mean, he's just saw Nick Vucevic sign for $20 bucks in three years. And I don't see why Brooke Lopez would want to take any less than that. He's a better player than, than, than that. And I think similarly, Jakob Pertl's probably looking at that and going, well, I'm better than him. And I think he could make that case too. So I think, you know, there's some interesting things there as to what Milwaukee will do. Um, yeah. So as, as I said, I mean, I mean, Kyrie Irving's the biggest name, I guess, but I just don't think he's in a situation to really dictate um, what happens other than him going to Dallas. And the question there is, can they get him signed for a number that allows them to use the full mid-level exception? Okay, so no superstars in free agency, which, of course, helps Fred Van Vliet's bargaining power. Uh, but you mentioned the general usefulness of point guards. Uh, is there anyone out there in free agency who the Raptors could potentially target uh, to fill in the Fred role if Fred, in fact, departs? You know, I think the, the next guy on the list is probably Gabe Vincent. Um, who, you know, an undrafted, you know, who was an undrafted free agent uh, who's been developed by Miami. And, uh, you know, I think he'd be, would get it. I think you'd have to use the full mid-level to get him. If, if Fred does leave, you have, you can use the full mid-level and not have to worry about um, going into luxury tax. And, you know, I think he would, there, you could make a strong argument. He's a really good defender. Uh, he's a pretty good off the ball player showed certainly down the stretch in the playoffs. He can really shoot it when, uh, you know, and, and like, there's no better advertisement for the way he played at times for the heat during the playoffs. Right. Like, I mean, that's the toughest environment there is in the NBA. And I thought he was really good. So, um, but it's a very thin market for point guards. And, um, if you are really only in a situation, you can offer the full mid level. And I think that's all the Raptors could do, even if they don't sign Van Vliet, you know, any team that's not a uh, luxury tax team can do the same thing. 
And, you know, by the way, the Miami Heat, who, you know, developed them, who are in Miami, (laughs) who have no state tax, I mean, they they want him back too. So, um, you know, I don't think it's a given that, oh, by the way, you can just pivot and pluck the next best point guard available. If they could get a guy like Dave Vincent, I think it'd be a much easier sell uh, because you're getting a younger player who's, you know, I'm not, I don't think he's as good as, as Fred VanVleet, but he's a good player. And, um, you know, you're getting him at, uh, you know, a fraction of the cost. So uh, you could probably come out of that looking pretty good, but there's no guarantee there at all. Yeah, far from a far from a guarantee. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how it can all. I, can I answer you in Dennis Schroeder? Mm, I don't think so. No, I actually thought about that. Uh, no, I'm good on that. Uh, and then, yeah, you mentioned the idea of just having a, a center or sorry, a point guard. Uh, that's useful. Centers and centers and point guards. Who would have thought uh, that not just having a bunch of six nine guys? Uh, a way to win in the NBA. Grange, love, love, love getting you on. Uh, I would say enjoy the weekend, but you're going to be working. Doesn't mean you can't enjoy it as well. Uh, so yes, enjoy your Canada Day weekend, Grange. Thanks for coming on. Whistle while I work. Okay. <laughs> Once in a while. <laughs> there he goes. There he goes. Uh, whistle while he works. Uh, Michael Grange joining us there. It is now time to get into a bit of a sprint edition of the Wake and Rake. Wake up! Now it's time for Wake and Rake. You could be raking in the dough with your kind of accuracy. Show me the money! With Ailish and Justin. Winner, winner. I jumped the gun and got my pick in today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Ah, we were both I in the same game. I jumped at. Jays, Red Sox, give me the under nine and a half runs there. Take it at 115. So, Cuthbert, what did you end up going with? Since I stole the pick you wanted, you did it to me yesterday, so it's fair game. Listen, I I always quickly go to the Blue Jays and see if I like anything there, and sometimes I overlook other things, and I'm uh, I'm pretty happy with where I'm going to go here. I'm going to go with the Chicago Cubs on the money line. Uh, At home, a little 120 start at Wrigley, which is always plays in the favor of the home team or... (laughs) <laughs> maybe not, <laughs> maybe not always, uh, but I hope it will today with Justin Steele on the bump. He's eight and two with a two sixty two up against our guy, Cal Quantrill. And I'm not allowed to fade Cal Quantrill in front of Ailish because he's a Port Hope guy, mm. but I will now She's because Gutter's here. here. Cal, it's been a difficult ride for him, even dating back to the world baseball classic. Uh, he's uh, he's been going through it a little bit lately while Justin Steele has been really good this year. So I'm going with a, uh, Bit of a, you got to pay to play a little bit, minus 170 for the Cubs today, but I need to get back on track. So that's where I'm going. Uh, we've got two additions or two submissions rather in the text line. Sal from Woodbridge, this is a new one, a little CFL pick. I think the first since I've been here with the Wake and Rake, Red Blacks, two and a half, minus two and a half against the Edmonton Elks. Both teams are winless on the season, 0-5 collectively. So uh, someone's got to get off the That's shine. hard to do in the CFL, quite <laughs> honestly. <laughs> it's uh, easy to do, though, if you're either the Red Blacks or the Edmonton Elks. And Courier Chris is on vacation, uh, but he's still got a pick. He's got Blue Jays over four and a half runs versus Boston. Doesn't really correlate with Tough what sell. you're doing. So we're going to have to put the CFL pick in. The Ottawa Red Blacks at home. Win by three, boys. Win by three. That gives us a parlay of plus four. 55. There we go. Uh, in terms of the Jays, I will say, though, I actually don't hate the over for them. They have struggled to hit, but Paxton, you know, he has really struggled this year. Uh, so I don't actually hate that for them. I could see a world where the Jays put up five and the Red Sox put up one or two. You're still easily hitting that under. So Courier Chris, love the submission. Love you grinding you, on vacation. You guys could technically meet in the middle. 
We could. And go under Red Sox runs. We could. Because Jose Barrios has only given up five earned once in his last 10, and it might be in the four and a half range. So if you want to kind of get both of you on board on the same pick, although I don't know if he likes, likes the under himself, but if you want to just go under for the Red Sox today and play Barrios, that uh, that, as well. that's the way to go. Uh, so looking ahead to tomorrow, quickly, uh, just a couple of seconds here. Name your most excited to hear about uh, tomorrow, NHL free agency. For me, Tyler Bertuzzi. That is the guy I'm most watching. Uh, anybody of note for you? Ooh, that's a good. Uh, that's a good question. I mean, I'm I'm curious with Michael Bunting. <laughs> I'm sure curious. you're curious Very with Michael curious. Bunting. I do think Dmitry Orlov's the best player though yep. uh, among free agents, and I think he can have not a transformative effect, but if he's added to an already good defense core, uh, we saw it with the Vegas Golden Knights. It's kind of important to be good on the blue line, <laughs> and I think Dmitry Orlov can add something to a blue line. I'm a I'm a Matt Dumba guy. Dumba guy too. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's down on the boards a little bit. I don't really understand why. I think he's a great player. So Dumba and Orlov will be the guys I'm focused on. Yeah, nothing wrong with that. And uh, like we said, you're starting it off at nine with you and Marchese, then me and Stellick taking you right into the Jays, 12 to three. Jays coming up 307. And your boy, you say Kikuchi. You will talk to everybody on Monday.